Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. I'm going to take a, just a breath because it's so easy to be in a rush and think that you have to have everything together perfectly. I just feel like the Lord wants to do, undo a lot of that today. And um, the Lord brought me to a scripture and this has been on my heart. Um, it's amazing. The Lord sometimes puts things on our hearts and we can't quite define it until we're at that moment where scripture comes and then it all just comes together and we can interpret those feelings um, and those things the Lord puts into us more clearly. And this scripture just defined a lot in my spirit. I feel like it's the heart and the vision of this church as well. So I'm just going to read it. It's Ezekiel 47. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the loins. Afterwards, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over for the waters were risen, waters to swim in a river that could not be passed over. I'm just going to pause right there. I just feel like a lot of times our hearts are, we want to be in the river. And we're in that place where maybe the water is ankle deep and we can still stand. We can still rely on our own strength. We can still be in our shallow understandings and desires and wants. But I really feel like the Lord wants us to take us to a deeper place where we have to lift up our feet. We have to be in such a surrender in a place of covenant by not only being in that river and going in, but staying in that river. I feel like in this space, this is going to be a river where when people come in, They're going to experience the river, the Holy Spirit, the goodness of God, the healing, all of that that's included when we stay in the river. And he said unto me, son of God, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into sea, the waters shall be healed. 
So I'm just going to pray this over all of us before we step into that place of just being in worship. Lord, our hearts are to be in the river, Lord. Teach us, show us how to go deeper in the river, Lord God. We don't want to be holding on to other things that might keep us from going deeper, Lord. Help us with our fear, Lord. Lord, we want to learn how to go deeper, Lord. And we want to be in such a place of hunger, Lord, where we want to just lift up our feet and let go all of all of our thoughts and desires and hopes and dreams, Lord, and just say, Lord, take us where you want us to go, Jesus. I just break off any fear, any distractions, any shame, any busyness that's in us that is just not important right now, Lord God. That we would just shift our full attention to you, Lord God, and hear your heart and your voice, and just let the river take us where we need to go, Lord. And I know that it'll be different for each person, Lord, but you know our our hearts, our needs. Lord, you know where you need to take us, Lord God. And we just lay ourselves down, Lord, and just ask you to just take us where you want us to this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just humble ourselves, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a old TV show, I'll date myself a little bit here, that, that we used to watch, but you can still see it if you, if you watch on MeTV, Memorable Entertainment Television. It's the A-Team. And at the end of the A-Team show, a lot of times when, when things worked out, the leader of the group would say, I love it when a plan comes together. And for me, when, when you're going to be the one that's going to be up here sharing, I love it when God's plan comes together. So from the, the scripture that she read in Ezekiel 47 in the worship, I, I just feel very good about what God's doing and saying here today. We've been talking a lot about the presence of God and worship and how those two go together. And the last time I, I shared, we looked at how we're created not only to worship God, but also to fellowship with Him, to, to walk with Him and to work with Him. And today I want to look at a little bit, slightly different aspect of that relationship with God. In John 4.24, Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. You know, there's an interchange in an iconic movie, A Few Good Men, that goes like this. It's a, it's a trial or tribunal scene, a military uh, proceeding. And the one character, Judge Randolph, to coffee from the judge's bench, consider yourself in consent, contempt. Coffee responds, Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? Judge Randolph says, you don't have to answer that question. Colonel Jessup responds, I'll answer the question. Colonel Jessup to coffee, do you want answers? Coffee says, I think I'm entitled to. Colonel Jessup says, you want answers? Coffee says, I want the truth. Colonel Jessup says, you can't handle the truth. Can we handle the truth? Can we really worship in spirit and truth? Can we truly learn to walk and to work in God's presence? You know, the initial um, text that we're going to look at today is from Matthew 13, 47 to 58. And it was from one of my devotions and meditations a few weeks ago. It's what got me started thinking about the question, can we handle the truth? 
So Matthew 13, 47 to 58 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they pulled it up on the beach and they sat down and they gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and remove the wicked from among the righteous and they will throw them into the furnace of fire and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out his treasure of his treasure, new things and old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. And this is the part I want to focus on today. And he came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue. With the result that there were they were astonished and said, where did this man acquire this wisdom? And these miraculous powers. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man acquire all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And there's three things that I hope we can, can kind of glean from in this account of Jesus in his hometown. We need to guard against being like the people of Jesus' hometown. We need to be careful that we do not become so familiar with Jesus as a man that we cannot believe and receive the miraculous powers that can heal us and, and teach us. You know, Jesus was a man. He walked on this earth for about 33 years. And it's good for us to, to really know everything about his birth and his life and, and everything that he said. But in John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. And in John 10.38, Jesus says, Know and understand that the Father is in Me and I in the Father. You know, so while Jesus is our friend and He's our brother, He's also one with the Father. And we need to know and honor Him as the eternal, almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to believe that He was there at the beginning of creation when God spoke and brought order from the chaos. And we need to believe that Jesus is capable of speaking to the chaos in our lives and creating order there. But on the other side of the coin, we also need to believe that just because we know each other, because we know our brothers and sisters in this church, in this family, because we know where they've come from and, and we might even know their struggles and, and even their flaws, just because we're familiar with each other, just because we're familiar with the people in this family, doesn't mean that they can't also pray for our healing. That we can't also get wisdom from them. Many Christians will chase after individuals and, and ministries that are well known and, and have giftings in certain areas. And we don't need to chase after the wisdom and miraculous powers. The power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. 
In John 14, 12-14, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in Me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in My name, I will do it. So surely there, there are ministries and there's individuals that, that operate in higher levels of certain gifts. And it's okay that we go to them and we support them, but regardless of the vessel, it's Jesus that's doing the works. And He's in each one of us. And the third thing that I think we need to guard against is becoming casual about the presence of God. You know, we have the privilege of having this intimate relationship that God has called us to. We're to walk with Him and we're to work with Him. We're to dwell and to abide in His presence. But we need to guard against our familiarity with God impacting our respect and our reverence for Him. As I previously asked, can we handle the truth? Can we truly handle the power of God's presence? You know, when I look at Scripture, I see that in every uh, time, in every account where somebody came into the presence of God, they were changed. If you look at Exodus 3, 1-6, through 6, it says, Now Moses was pastoring the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not being consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And in Genesis 32, 24 and 30 to 31, it says, Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have contended with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Now the sun rose up upon him and he crossed over Peniel and he was limping on his hip. I think it's important for us to to take note here that Jacob wrestled with God. But, you know, he didn't wrestle with God in a way that 
I admit that I sometimes wrestle with God. I wrestle with God because I, I might have a disagreement with what God's doing. I wrestle with Him because I, I don't want to go where He sends. Jacob wrestled with God and wouldn't let go until God blessed him. In Isaiah 6, 1-5, it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above, each having six wings, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe to me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of armies. In all these accounts, it was no small thing for those who came into God's presence. And you know, some might say, you might say, well, you know, those are all Old Testament examples. These were things that happened before Jesus was crucified. And before we see in Matthew 27, 50 to 51, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So Jesus' sacrifice on the cross did open the way. It it tore the veil. So we have the ability to come into the very presence of God. But we still shouldn't do it presumptuously. Let's look at one more example. In John 13, 23-26, at the Last Supper, it says, lying back on Jesus' chest was one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter nodded to his disciple and said to him, tell us who is it of whom he is speaking? Then he simply leaned back on Jesus' chest and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, that man is the one for whom I shall dip the piece of bread and give it to him. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So John was certainly one of the people who knew Jesus intimately. Maybe more familiar with him than than any of the others. One of the closest disciples. Perhaps there's nobody that ever knew Jesus better. In Revelation 1, 9-18, it says, I, John, your brother and fellow participant in the tribulation and the kingdom and the perseverance in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Tyratira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and after turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, And in the middle of this lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe reaching to his feet and wrapped around the chest with a golden sash. And his hair were white like white wool and like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet were like burnished bronze when it had been heated to a glow in a furnace. 
and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So John, the same one who was comfortable and familiar enough with Jesus to lay his head on his chest at the Last Supper, fell at his feet like a dead man at the feet of the living God. We focus a lot on how how worship is a doorway into the presence of God. And I think sometimes, though, that we get caught up in the, in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in worship. And we fail because of that, because it, it's so good that we fail to press in to the manifest presence of God. We hope and we ask that we would see His manifest presence among us, but do we really understand what it is that we ask for? what it is that we seek. Do we understand that the manifest presence of God will do a lot more than make us feel good? Along with the scriptural accounts that we looked at today, when you read or you hear about revivals that happened in the past or or movements of God that are happening in our time, when you read about those things, you see that when God shows up, everything changes. People are drawn into the presence. They come to the meetings without having been invited, without having any idea of what's going on. There's weeping and there's repentance. There's laughing and there's unspeakable joy. As we close today, it's going to be a little bit different. I don't have the three, five, or ten steps that we need to practice. In fact, I don't have the answers at all. So instead, I'll leave you with some questions. Can we handle the truth? Are we ready to be changed? Are we ready to have our own plans interrupted and adjusted so that God's plan can work out? Are we ready like Moses and Isaiah to go wherever God sends us and do whatever He intends for us? Are we ready to wrestle not against God and His plans, but to not let go of God until He blesses us? Are we ready to fall at His feet, but then to stand up and do all that He reveals to us? As Kat shared at the beginning of the worship from Ezekiel 47, are we ready to jump in and swim in the river of God's presence? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ and precious Holy Spirit, We thank You that You dwell with us, among us, and even abide in us. As Jesus prayed on the night that He was betrayed in John 17, 17, saying, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Lord, may we be sanctified. May we be cleansed and made whole. May we be conformed to the very image of that You intended for us, the image of Your Son. 
May we be sanctified by Your truth so that we can walk in Your truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a good day. Go in His plans. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Souderton, Pennsylvania. I'm taking away, I'm taking away right here. I'm taking away in the valley of my weeping. I'm taking away in my tears. I'm taking away.